this church called me to be the pastor here after I'd been the interim pastor for about two and a half years. So they should have known better, but they didn't. And they went ahead and asked me to come, and, and we accepted that invitation and responsibility. So for the last four messages, three messages, I have kind of preached kind of what I'd call foundational, directional messages for who we are as a church. And so we, three weeks ago, I preached about uh, uh, who we are. And we said that we are a family of what? Jesus followers, a family of Jesus followers. And that's important because the word family means that we're all connected. We're, we're part. We have the same father. We have uh, the same future together. We're a family. And so we said we are a family, but not just a family because there are a lot of families who uh, aren't necessarily very happy families, but we're a family of people who want to follow Jesus. And then this next Sunday, I talked about why we exist. We said we exist to make disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do, make disciples and to equip disciple makers. So that's, that's who we are and why we exist. And then last week, the last two weeks actually, we talked about what it means to be disciples and to make disciples. Today, though, I want to bring it down a little bit more personally. I want to say, what does God want from each member of the body where you serve? And for those of you who are members at another church, you can apply this very well. It doesn't fit to Bear Creek, but it fits to Ovilla Road or wherever you're from. And, and those who are here with the poppies and uh, with Ashley, we'll, uh, uh, you can fit this to your own uh, particular local church as well. And by the way, I'm glad the Christoffersons got here. I had just announced y'all weren't coming. Uh, but I don't know why. Somebody told me y'all weren't going to be here today. Okay. Well, I'm glad I was wrong. Glad you're here. All right. Uh, so we want to make it personal. So here's the, here's the question I'm answering. Where do I fit into the church where God has placed me? Okay. So that's what we're thinking about today. And I want to say that, uh, the Bible describes us as individual members in a number of ways, but two in particular. One of them is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices which the Bible tells us in other places, that's praise unto God, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So one way he describes you as a member is that you are like a stone. You're like a, a, a rock that is being placed into a temple. And God is building a temple to honor him, to glorify him, and to offer up sacrifices of praise to him. But that building is not made out of uh, blocks like we like other buildings, but it's made out of living stones. So Ephraim, you are a rock. All right, you look kind of like rock, the rock. Okay, but anyway, you are a stone that are that's placed into a building, and each member has their own significant, particular place in that building. And without you, the building wouldn't be complete. And so I'm thinking about how it works in a local church here. But not only does he 
describe us as stones, living stones, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, and actually a number of other places, he describes us as like being members of a body. That is, cells in a living body, or, or like an eye or an ear. And he says there, in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So to make up a church family, a body, a local body of believers, which kind of represents the overall body of Christ, every member is like an ear or a toe or a, an eye or a little pinky or a thumb or whatever. And you might think, well, do I get to choose which one? I don't want to be a toe. Will you ever try getting along without one of your toes? Any of you here lost a toe? Yeah. Did you? Tough, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, was it, uh, what was the football player's name? Hill. Cal- was it Calvin Hill? Calvin Hill. I started to say Calvin Klein. Calvin Hill. You remember, he broke his toe, his big toe, in practice. And everybody thought, well, it's no big deal. It's just a broken toe. But do you know that that ended his football career? He never had the, the pushing, thrusting power that he had before because for just a brief second when you're running, all of your weight is on your big toe. I didn't know that until I, I read it, but it said when you think about it, sometimes when I go out running now, I'll, I'll try to think about that. But you just think when you're running... There's just a split second there where the entire weight of your body is on that one big toe, and he was never able to, uh, to, to play football after that. It ended his career after uh, they tried to rehabilitate, but I don't know how you rehabilitate a toe. But uh, anyway, uh, so, so you might say, well, well do, do I get to choose what part? No. The Bible says that God himself, the Spirit of God, places you in the body, and he determines what part you are. But here's the point. Every part is absolutely essential to the whole. So you are a vital part of Bear Creek Baptist Church or whatever church you are a member of. And so uh, just like every stone is important, every member is important, and you are important to this church. So what does the church look like? Oh, by the way, you might wonder, well, well, what's, what does the pastor do? What's his job? And here it is, actually, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This is important for you to know. So you'll understand what my role is in this. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So God gave to the church as different members, different stones, different uh, parts. One of those parts, he says, I'm going to give you a pastor, a pastor teacher, a shepherd teacher. And what will his job be? Verse 12 says, to equip the saints, that's, all of us, but to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up or edifying of 
the body of Christ. So that's my responsibility is to try to help each one of you as the Lord helps me to help each one of you be equipped to do the work of the ministry. You know, there are some churches who think that the pastor is the one who's supposed to do the ministry. Well, we certainly want to be involved in ministry. We want to do ministry. But my real role is not to go out here and do all the ministry. My role is to help equip every member, every member, to do the work of the ministry for a purpose, for the building up, the strengthening, the edifying of the body of Christ. So what does that look like when the church is functioning like it should? Uh in Acts chapter 2, this is, I think, the very first text that I preached on when I came here as your interim about three years ago. This happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 42 through 47 is a description of the church when all the members are functioning like the auto function. When the church is healthy, when everything's right, and, and here's what it all looked like. And they continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, that is, studying the, the truth, studying Scripture, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, I think that may mean communion, but it probably also means in eating together, which makes me think the first church probably was Baptist, because we all love to eat, don't we? And so they, they continued steadfastly in studying the Word, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, that is, eating together, and in prayers, and awe, or fear, or reverence, came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. That doesn't mean just together in the sense of what they were all in one spot, but it meant they were together, they were all in one heart, one spirit. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. In other words, they were very, very unselfish. So that, uh, that one person said, look, you know, if you need something and I have it, you're welcome to it. They, they were sharing with one another. And it goes on to say, and they were even selling their possessions and their goods and distributing them among all as anyone had need. Isn't that wonderful? I know today the government takes care of lots of stuff through welfare and all this kind of stuff. And, but wouldn't it be wonderful if the church really, really took care? Of its own people. That'd just be marvelous. That's really the way it was in this early New Testament church. Now, they didn't have government assistance back in this time. And so people who were crippled or people who didn't have the ability to work or people who uh, were, were elderly, they were pretty much uh, in a, a bad situation. But in that early church, the people said, uh, and by the way, it wasn't a little church. They were... There were several thousand people. And they looked about and they said, well, what are the needs? 
well, here's some widows. They, they need some help. And the people said, well, look, let's help. And they gave to meet every need. And if they didn't have the money, they would even go out and sell something if they needed to and had to. And they distributed to the proceeds to all as any had need. And then day by day, attending the temple together, Okay, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a church? That's the way the church ought to be. You say amen. Amen, all right, that's good. I shouldn't have to fish for it, but, you know, it's, it's okay. You can say amen when you want to. And, uh, but here's the thing. What a wonderful, wonderful fellowship we see in that early church. And uh, that's really what I want to see Bear Creek Baptist Church continue to develop. You've had some wonderful, wonderful leadership in the past. Man, I just praise God for Brother Bob and for other pastors that you've had who really, really laid a groundwork here. I came in here with a, a, a huge plus, and I'm so thankful, thankful for I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of some giants who've gone before me, and I so appreciate them. But their work and my work and your work together is that we move in the direction of being this kind of a church, this kind of fellowship. So I see several things here that would be true for you individually. So if each one of you, if Joshua, Poppy, you say, well, well, what's my role? What am I supposed to do at Bear Creek Baptist Church? Then here are about seven or eight things out of this text. Number one is to be devoted. That is, you don't think of the family of worshipers as some kind of second or third or fourth or fifth or get around to it kind of priority. You move that up to a very, very high priority. You're devoted. The Bible says, and they devoted themselves. They were, they were devoted to building up the church, strengthening, encouraging the church. And then the second thing is gather together. That is, come together, be together. I tell you, I love it when we're able to gather here on Sunday morning, but not just here. I love to visit in your homes. I I love to... Uh, uh, it says they were breaking bread from house to house. You know, if any of you want to invite us over for dinner, we'll come. I guarantee you. And uh, but uh, I'm not fishing for an invitation there. But but if any of you do want to invite us over, we'll come. I can remember when I was a kid, it was kind of a traditional thing on Sunday. Somebody always invited the preacher home for dinner. Did any of your churches do that? Yeah. Uh huh. And. I think that's when I felt like I wanted to be a preacher, you know, is uh, because I wanted to get back. Every preacher we had that come to eat at our house, he loved my favorite piece of chicken. And uh, my favorite piece of chicken was the wishbone. The, we called it the pulley bone. I don't know, uh, but, but that, 
that one that you know the part I'm talking about. That's my favorite piece of chicken. And every preacher, I guess that's their favorite piece of chicken. Because I would watch as, uh, as different preachers would come to eat with us on Sunday. And they'd reach and they'd get my piece of chicken. I thought, damn, why can't we have a preacher that liked the back? Or something like that, you know, the neck even. But uh, they all liked my piece of chicken. So uh, I thought, well, now when I get grown, if I ever become a preacher, I'll get the good piece of chicken. And then people quit inviting preachers home for dinner as soon as I got into the ministry. I don't know how that worked. But anyway, uh, but but that's the thing. Gather together. The Bible says they love to be together. And I love being here with you. And I look forward to Sunday mornings. I, I almost have to take a sleeping pill on Saturday night sometimes so I can go to sleep. I'm so excited about getting to church on Sunday morning. And, and, and not just here but on sunday evening and wednesday evening as we gather together to pray together and to to, go out and make visits together and just like the thing we did up at the school yesterday together those things are so important love being together enjoy being together so be devoted gather together the third thing is the bible says and they were praising god so i would say when you're here on Sunday morning and Stephanie's leading us and, and, and Tracy's playing the piano, do what you do and sing, worship. And, and don't just, well, Jeff would know what I mean here, don't, don't just sing worship songs. It's possible to sing worship songs and not worship. But I tell you what, it is almost impossible to truly worship when there's singing going on without a song just jumping right out of your heart and out of your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So you can sing without worshiping, but it's hard to truly worship without singing if there's an opportunity to sing. Okay? That's, think that's right, Brother Jeff? Am I saying that right? Okay. All right. So so worship. Sing. Express joy. You know, I read a book 50 years ago called The Taste of New Wine. And uh, it was written by a man named Keith Miller. And he said in the opening chapter of that, why is it that if you go into a bar, a local tavern, everybody looks so happy? People are talking and cutting up, and they're popping each other on the shoulder, and they're and 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 they're 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 happy. They're full of excitement. Now I don't. Is that true? I I don't go into bars. Uh, so, uh, but but he said that's true. He said you go into a, a local bar. I know if you go into lots of places, it's that way. And uh, but he said, why is it that when you go into the local church? A lot of times, everybody looks like they're there for a funeral. He said, you know, we serve a risen Savior. And we don't gather together to remember the death of Jesus primarily. All that's part of it. But we gather together to remember and rejoice over the victory of the resurrection. And so he said, when he was saying that, that when people come into the church, when visitors come into the church, guests, somebody that you've invited, 
what do they think? What do they think as they as they watch? And people do watch. We have a couple of guests here today. You've been watching us, haven't you? You've been kind of looking around, saying, mm, "I wonder what's going on." Okay, I'll have to ask you afterwards what you thought. But uh, uh, but people come in and and they look around, and you know what they ought to see? They ought to see people who are genuinely thrilled and excited about loving Jesus and loving one another. And uh, listen to this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Apostle Paul is talking about uh, the church gathered together and the kind of the way things go and how that some people prophesy and some uh, speak in tongues and some do this and some do that. But he says, but if all prophesy, that is, share what God's doing in their heart, if, if they are able to speak truth that God has put in their heart, and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all, and he is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful is that as people came in to our worship service and they heard us declaring through word and through music the glories of God, how great is our God, they were convicted. And they said, God is here. God is truly among you. So, the next thing is to fellowship. I've already mentioned this, but fellowship here and in homes. I, I used to pastor a church where just as soon as the last amen was said, it was almost like the rapture took place. Just, everybody was gone. Man, where'd everybody go? But I love it when the service ends and people don't seem eager to get away. They stand around and visit and they fellowship and they enjoy being together so fellowship here and in homes and then the next one is to give generously now i know everybody's thinking well i figured we'd get to that you know that's a preacher going to talk about money no i'm not talking about just money i'm talking about giving of yourself your time and your money and giving generously a lot of times people ask me well how much do i have to give and i say you know you probably ought not to even give and that makes our financial uh, committee kind of nervous when I say things like that. But uh, I say, you know, God really doesn't want our money. He wants our heart. He wants our affection. He wants our love. Because he knows that when we love him and when we love the, the members of the body and when we love to meet the needs in the world, Nobody has to urge us to give. Nobody has to tell us how much we've, quote, got to give. Now, the question is, uh, how much can I give? What can I do? What are the needs? And then I want to meet those needs. So be generous. Give generously. I believe that all of us ought to be generous. I'm not talking about just what you give in the uh, tithes and offerings, the church service. I'm talking about being generous with people all around you. You know, 
looking for opportunities to meet needs, and especially, the Bible says, do good to all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. And then trust God for miracles. Now, I know we're Baptist church, and I know sometimes Baptists are a little skittish about miracles, but I want to tell you something. God is the same God today that he was in the times of Elijah and Elisha. And the same God today that he was in the times of Moses and Aaron. The same God today that he was in the days of the apostles. He's the same. And we can believe that God can do what we can't do. That he can actually do what we can't even imagine. And so I pray for God to do miraculous things. I pray for healing. God doesn't heal everybody, and he didn't in any of those periods of time that I mentioned. But he does sometimes miraculously heal for his own glory's sake and for his specific purpose. And so we pray for God to work in a mighty way. And by the way, the greatest miracle of all is not the healing of cancer. The greatest miracle of all is not even the raising of the physically dead. The greatest miracle of all is raising the spiritually dead and salvation coming to a lost soul. That's the greatest miracle of all. And so we trust God to do miraculous things. And then the Bible says they had favor with all the people. They, uh, they were out among unbelievers. That was a pagan generation in which the first church was planted. And the Bible says that these early Christians so loved the Lord and loved each other that unbelievers said, well, they're okay. They, they, they had favor with all the people. As I visit around here in Glen Heights and I talk to people, I tell them about the church here, I'm just so grateful to hear so many of them say, oh, yeah, that's a good church. That's a really good church. Uh, yesterday up at the school, they, they said, wow, we, we've never had a church to donate this much money to help our kids get back to school. And they were just kind of amazed. They were kind of overwhelmed by it. And I said, well, it's because we love our community. And the Lord tells us to love our neighbors. We're neighbors here. And so we need to have favor. Now, here's the last thing. And I don't know why people don't do this just automatically. I don't know why we have to be reminded of it. But invite and encourage other people to come to church. Just think about all the people you see during the week. Check out people at the grocery store, at Walmart, different places like that, your mechanic, your whatever, you know, what, what are some other people you run into all week? Like people you work with. People, I mean, even your neighbors, you know, people that you live close to and things like that. Wouldn't it be something if 
every member of the church or whatever church you're a member of just carried something with you, a little card or something, and when somebody says almost anything, they can say almost anything, you could say, you know what? You need to come to our church next Sunday. And are there any of you that ever started going to church because somebody specifically invited you to that church? How many of you? Somebody? Okay, great, great, great. Yeah. Let's, look, did you know, I'm very serious about this, all around us here, there are people, not all of them, of course, but there are some people that if you were to say to them, I really wish you would come to church with me next Sunday, there are many of them who would come. And some of them would come back. But many of them would come and visit and be a, be a part of a worship service. I know you say, well, but aren't we supposed to be leading people to Jesus? Aren't we supposed to be winning people to Christ? Yeah, that's great. But even if you don't feel uh, adequate to present the gospel in an evangelistic way to lead somebody to Christ, we'd help. part of our training here will be to help us learn to do that. But even if you don't feel comfortable doing that, Anybody can say, hey, you know, I go to Bear Creek Baptist Church down here. I sure wish you'd come and visit with us next Sunday. And uh, and if everybody in this church invited somebody next Sunday, seven or eight people would come. They really would. And uh, And if we did that every week, it wouldn't be long until we'd have a lot of new people here who could hear the gospel. And uh, that's the greatest thing in the world is for people to hear the gospel. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is that although you and I and every person have sinned, and that sin actually has gained for us the wages of death. That is that we deserve to die. But the good news is that God loves sinners. And Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross and be raised from the dead so that sinners could believe in him and be forgiven of all their sins and become new people on the inside. That's great news, isn't it? And I guarantee you there are thousands of people within three miles of where we're standing right now who really have never genuinely heard that message. They have not heard that message. And if you could invite them to come, urge them to come, Offer to sit with them if they come. Even say, hey, if you come, 
We'll take you out to dinner after, take you out to lunch after church. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Meet somebody new. Some of the folks we met over here at the laundromat when we were doing the washing everybody's clothes for them a few weeks ago. They were, they said, wow, that's, this church really cares about people. And I say, yes, we really do care about people. So those are some things that you can do. Every, every member can do those things. Every one of you say, I want to be involved. I want to be a part. I want to give. I want to attend. I want to uh, fellowship. I want to trust God for great things. All right, any questions, comments, rebuttals? All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Bear Creek Baptist Church. I thank you for the opportunity to serve as a, a servant here, to be able to serve the people and to help equip uh, the members of this church for ministry so that all the body can be built up, strengthened, edified for your glory. And I pray that you will help us to take seriously uh, our individual role and responsibility. And I know that not everybody can teach, not everybody can uh, sing or play an instrument like uh, Tracy and, and uh, like Stephanie. Not everybody can uh, work well with children or preschoolers, but all of us can do something. We all have a specific role. And you're, you've placed us in your temple as living stones and in your body as significant parts. And I just pray that you'll help us to joyfully, faithfully, and even eagerly fulfill the role that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.